stop. It never rains at Austin Stadium. Happy Monday, folks. Welcome back to It Never Rains, a podcast here on The Athletic. Today is our free episode, so thank you to everyone listening on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tyson Alger here, joined by Aaron Fentress on a Monday after an Oregon Ducks 21-6 win over Stanford. Oregon's first win over the Cardinals since 2005, or sorry, 2015. It kind of feels like 2005. Uh, got Aaron here on the line. Aaron, uh Busy weekend for you. You know, you got back from the Seahawks game pretty late last night, but Oregon's one and one and zero in Pac-12 play, and we have a week off. It's kind of nice. Which do we like more? That we're covering a winning team, or that we have the week off? That's, that's a tough one for me. <laughs> it's it's not a tough one for me, man. I uh, I enjoy these bye weeks as, as as much as I like covering winning football. You know, we obviously went through a bit of a drought there over the last. Uh, well, granted, this is how spoiled Oregon gets. They only had they one, one losing, losing season. season Stop. It. Yeah, it's, it's 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 one losing season, and it feels like you know everything <laughs> hit the fan. But um, I think it's pretty clear that Oregon is a good football team. I I'm still not sure anything past that, but uh, it looks like Oregon's good, good, and good's good, right? Yeah, good is good. I mean, you, you want to at least be good. I thought that was one of the more you and I comment yeah. one of the more boring games I've ever watched. But you know, it's not about well, being exciting. Okay, it's about so winning, right? Yeah, let's 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 go into the boring aspect here real quick. Uh, I think it was maybe four minutes into the third quarter where you leaned back into your chair in the Stanford press box, and and these chairs already recline way too easily. Um, you know, we we dove into the uh, ergonomics of. Uh, uh, some of those chairs on Friday, but you lean back and we're just like, this is boring. And it's not, it's not that you weren't watching the game. It's or Oregon was in control at that point. Yeah. I don't think any of us were concerned. Stanford was coming back against this Oregon defense, but just from the fact that there was nobody in the stadium, except for essentially Oregon fans, none of these offenses were doing anything. That was just, ugh. that was, that was a rough one to watch. To be clear. There were a few plays I did not watch because I was leaning back and I didn't want to lean back up. Those chairs are really, 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 you know, we lean back and they go back really far and, and you can really kind of almost fall asleep. I think I did kind of get kind of tired. because And, and high countertops, out. too. Yeah, yeah it's just, just, it's they didn't just, match just, up very well. But no, I, it was I just... <laughs> these were the brainiacs building these places down there. <laughs> yeah, it was a very uninteresting football game. But, you know, that's sometimes that happens. Uh, but, yeah, I think at, at the very least right now, we're saying they are good. But yeah. we have a lot and, more and, to, and, to learn. The, the th- there is a difference between uninteresting and not good play from Oregon. I mean, obviously, a win is a win, and, and as we've seen over the last uh, you know better part of this decade, uh, wins against Stanford can be hard to come by. And uh, I I kind of wrote about kind of the contrast of like, yeah, this wasn't like a visually appealing football game, but it was still a game that Oregon won and deserved to win, um, and did so even though there were issues, and we'll get into that, and you know specifically the running game again. But Oregon was in no no danger of losing a conference road game, and that's not something that uh, uh, is is a common occurrence for the Ducks over the last three or four years. Yeah, first time anyone on this roster has defeated the Cardinal, other than redshirt seniors who were redshirting the last time they won. So does that count? I mean, they weren't even in danger of getting on the field in those in that game. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they. They did what they needed to do to win that game. However, I felt like when you walk away, you're, you're looking at not at the fact that they beat a down Stanford team and that, okay, that's a good thing for them, but did they look like a team that's going to run the table and, and win the conference? And that's where I'm a little hesitant to go that far. 
And so that that's a segment we have coming up about this kind of four, five-week stretch the Ducks have coming up here where they face some of the conference's better teams. Uh, let's, let's stay on this, this specific game for just a, a couple more moments. Um, the running game's still not good, and, and, and this is something that you kind of led your snap judgments with. I, I loved your uh, – um, I, I don't know it, the exact wording, but it was like, what the hell is happening? Um, <laughs> for, uh, the, the ducks are four games into the season and they are averaging 154 rushing yards per game. The last time they had a number worse than that 14 years ago in 2005, when they were averaging 134 yards per game and Terrence Whitehead was their leading rusher. Well, that wait. what's wrong, Aaron. And that was, wait. Terrence Whitehead's senior year was 04, wasn't it? No. Whitehead was on the 05? T- oh, yeah, because that was, that was Stewart's first year. Yeah. The, and that, so that right. year, um, that was the first year of the spread. And they, were, and they were still sort of, you know, figuring out how to make that work. Um, and Stewart was a freshman on that team. But yeah, no, it's, right. it's, it's true. It's one of the things I've been harping on for a year now. It's like, <laughs> this is the worst rushing attack they've had since the adoption of the spread. And, so on one hand, you say, well, Cristobal is doing things differently, but is he? I mean, they're trying to run the ball. It, like, it's one thing if they were throwing for 450 a oh, game. They're force-feeding the run, and it's not working. Right, exactly. They're trying to run. Like, they want to be a running team. Mario Cristobal is an offensive lineman. Uh, they they want to be a running football team. I think they want to be better than they are. Um, like I said, if they were throwing for 450 a game and five to six touchdowns a game, then you're, okay, no big deal. But they're trying to run, and they're not doing it well at all. And, and yesterday – or Saturday marked the sixth time in Crystal Ball's uh, era here at Oregon where they've rushed for under 100 yards. You have to go back, you know. I think the last time I wrote about this, it was it was five. No, yeah, four. It was four, and you had to go back to 2010 to find four. So now you'd have to go back, to, I think, to 2009 and count the Boise game, and then go. I think you have to go back to 2008 now to find six other times where they rush for under 100 yards. That to me is alarming. Under, you know, under 150 would be alarming. Under 100 is just like what the hell is going on? Um and they're supposed to have this great offensive line, which I believe I gave a B minus at the beginning of the season. Some people mocked me about that, but my thing is, okay, they have talent on the O-line. <laughs> who 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 could have that? Been? They, they have talent on the O-line, <laughs> but are they a good O-line? And on to- and on top of not being able to run the ball that well again, they they allow Herbert to get sacked four times, correct? Yeah, oh, I thinking that, of Wilson. That, Wilson got sacked four times no, too, but no, they both got sacked four times. You, you, you have too much football <laughs> going through your brain right now. You're going to explode. But it was uh, four, no, right? Uh, Her, Herbert, Her, yeah, Herbert was sacked four times, right. and and that's that was kind of the surprising thing for me because I, I think with something that we've seen over the first three three games going into that was okay. The obviously the Russian offense was struggling, but the, it seemed like they were doing pretty well in pass protection. But in this game. Uh, with Jake Hansen being out, they they moved Calvin Throckmorton over to center and put Brady Aiello in at right tackle. And uh, you know, Oregon in the in the offs, I mean, in the kind of run up to this season, talked about how they have you know technically like six six starters where Warmack and Aiello are are one A and one B. Um, obviously, I think this line looks a little bit better during their <laughs> during their um, uh, initial uh, um, three games where, you know, they do have Hanson healthy and Throckmorton back at his kind of natural position. Right. Yeah, I mean, to me, those are excuses at this point. I mean, you're going to have some guys go down, and, and I guarantee linemen, right. linemen, I'm not saying you're giving excuses, I'm just saying in general. I mean, other linemen have gone down in the last 15 years as well. <laughs> it's not like they were always always healthy. and they still. This is a program that would rush for 250 like it was nothing. Sometimes I think one year they rushed for three hundred per game, so it's 
And, and, and the same thing happened last year. And I'm predicting it's going to happen again this year. They're going to come up against better teams that can actually score points, which they will. And they're going to stuff that run even worse. And then you're going to put more pressure on Herbert to make plays. And they're going to pass rush the hell out of him. And they're going to sack him and hit him and knock him around. And he's not going to be able to get it done. And everyone's going to go, why are we throwing deep more often? Arroyo's a moron. Well, if you throw deep more often, Herbert's going to be in the hospital. That's why you have to be able to run the football to protect your quarterback in part. You take, the, you take that great running game away from Mariota and make Mariota stand in the pocket and throw a lot, things would have been different. you see what happens in Tennessee. Yeah, look at what's happened to him in Tennessee. (laughs) He got sacked nine times the other day, which I blame on coaching a little bit because you got to get Marcus on the move. But anyway, the point is, if you can't run the ball... Wait, 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 wait. hold hold on. Did did you just criticize a coach? That's one thing I would. I I have I have few, I have some moments. That was one. Dude, Marcus Mariota getting as mobile as that guy is to get sacked nine times in the pocket. That's on the coaching staff. Get that guy. Spread it out. Get that guy in the move. Anyway, that's another segment maybe. But it, it's just they're not going to win the conference rushing the ball the way they're rushing. Just fat. and here's the other thing: who have they played? Like Stanford's not the same Stanford. That, that defense was allowing right. 32 points per game, and you only got 21. So this is not the Stanford defense of old when they're only giving up 17, 18, 19 points a game. You played Montana and Nevada, and now Auburn's really good. You played them. So really you played one good defense, and you still can't run the football. So that's that's alarming. Oregon also changed at least patterns up a little bit in this game. Uh, if, if you looked at the Montana game, uh, Travis Dye kind of received the bulk of the carries in this one. In this game, it was 100 or 99% CJ Rudell of, of Oregon's 25 actual rushes that weren't just Herbert Sachs. Uh, Rudell had all but one of them going for 82 yards. He averaged 3.4 yards per carry. Uh, Travis Dye only got, got one carry. Did, did you like that they kind of after four weeks of, of spreading those things out between, you know, Dai, Verdell, Habibi Licchio, Dollars, Felix, did you like that they just tried Verdell for this entire game or would you like to see other guys? I, I know there's a lot of, uh, man, I, I more than anything, I see a lot of stuff about where's Darian Felix at and uh, he didn't appear in this game. Yeah, that's something that needs to be gotten to the bottom of what's going on with the running back situation. When we're, you and I were talking about the Mon- after the Montana game, Verdell had five carries. It's like, okay, were they were they saving him or was he you know, demoted or what? You know, and and you're and you're sitting here on a on a Verdell feature that you're publishing last week. And it's like, <laughs> oh shoot, I hope you play. <laughs> and so yeah, so what what's going on? Travis Dye disappears like. It's it's bizarre. So we, we need to get to the bottom of what's going on with the running back situation. I do think Verdell is the best running back. And now a lot of people are calling for Cyrus because he's a big back. If you're going to run Smash Mouth, you know, put, get Cyrus more carries. I could see Cyrus getting more carries, but Verdell's a pretty tough back and he's got more breakaway speed. So I definitely believe that Verdell's the best guy, but he can't he can't make things happen when stuff's not there. And I'm, I'm going to spend more time looking at, at the film today and just sort of trying to, you know, pinpoint why they're getting beat at the point of the attack so much because uh, i don't think this is verdell missing holes like some people are saying well they're, they're not as good as barner and and uh, lamichael and and uh freeman but you know you can only really criticize the back if he's not hitting the right hole or not accelerating through the hole or not m- ever making people miss i just don't see huge holes there like we've seen like we've been accustomed to seeing in the past okay so uh one quick positive before we move on to something else uh justin herbert 259 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was sacked four times, but through four games of the season, Herbert is sitting with 14 touchdowns and zero interceptions, and he's completing uh, 
boy, I should have this right. 70, it's like seventy something percent. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's 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 complete, completing seventy four point four percent of his passes, which this comes a year after he completed fifty nine point four percent of his passes. So, um, despite kind of a lot of these issues that we've highlighted, and the fact that Jawan Johnson still hasn't played, although though it looks like Micah Pittman and Brendan Schooler are coming back soon. Um, for all this kind of pressure that was put on Herbert's shoulders going into this year, he has done just about everything that he's needed to do this year. Um, and that that touchdown pass to Breland was as nice as I've seen from him. The the wheel route back shoulder wheel route. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that that was that was pretty sexy. That was pretty sweet. Put it where your guy can get it, and Breland made a very athletic move to get uh, to his jump, spun a little bit, not spun, but twisted a little bit in the air to make a play. Yeah, that, that was that was very nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Her- Herbert's doing about as much as you could ask, uh, given everything that's going on around him. Uh, 11 touchdowns in four games is very nice, but it's, oh no, 14, right? Yeah, 14. 14. But you look at Gordon for Washington State, it's 21. Not that I, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an anomaly. You can't compare that. But no, I, I agree with you. Herbert, Herbert is there ready to be a championship quarterback. He needs help from the run game though. He's not, I guarantee he's not going to be able to carry this team down the stretch. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's unfair to do this, but we're still, you know, the Washington game last year was good. I mean, that's a big win for him. But we're still waiting for the Herbert stretch of like, oh, my God, Justin Herbert just went, Joey Harrington just went, even Darren Thomas, who had some big games and clutch, clutch moments, or Marcus, and, and really elevated this team in tough situations to win must-win games to get to a Pac-12 championship. We're still waiting for that. Okay, we've been doing this all of eight episodes of It Never Rains, so here's your regularly scheduled cross-promotion. Our Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, Dear Old State, ran by Aubrey Snyder and Matt Brown, airs twice weekly on Mondays and Thursdays. Matt is practically a walking encyclopedia of Penn State knowledge, and Aubrey has a decade of covering Penn to her name. So it's safe to say you're nearly as good of hands with them as you are with us. Me and Aaron. It's pretty nice hands. Visit the Dear Old State series page on the Athletic app or website and hit that follow button for updates when new episodes release. Back to Aaron, who is carrying this show. Carrying this show? Who wrote this copy? With this defense, Herbert might not have to do anything. I'm going to run some numbers here by you here really quick before you can chime in, all right? You, can, can you handle that? I'll try. I'll just put my mic on mute so I, you can't hear me. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd appreciate that. Okay, so Oregon's defense is allowing 10.5 points per game. That ranks first in the Pac-12. They're allowing 262.8 yards per game, which is first in the Pac-12. They have 15 sacks, which is first in the Pac-12. And their 102.8 rushing yards per game is second in the Pac-12, but they haven't had the opportunity to face their own running game. So this this is a defense. <laughs> this is a defense that through four games has been kind of the class of the Pac-12 so far. And, you know, you can make the argument that they haven't played a ton of people, but they did play Auburn. And people also forget the fact that other teams play bad teams, too, in the non-conference portion of the schedule. True. Um, has, has, in your opinion, has... Do we need to pump the brakes here? Is, is this defense as good as the stats portray, or is this something that we're all getting a little ahead of our skis here? Because I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think this defense is really, really good. I think it's the best one that I've seen since I've started covering the team. But I also didn't cover some of those better Nick Aliotti defenses, kind of towards the tail end of uh, last decade and, and kind of part of the championship uh, run earlier in this decade. So. Um, you know, I, I've seen some stuff on Twitter about how th- this is the best Oregon defense I've ever seen, and this is way better that? than any of the past. Uh, well, point them out to I, me so I can straighten them out. Let's anyway. let's 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 not single out specific people, but uh, um, 
do people need to pump the brakes here, or, or do you like what you've seen? Actually, actually, things don't. That's me. Things don't the need to be like polarizing. So, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put that in in post production. Yeah, no, yes, <laughs> people need to pump the brakes because they played. Now, okay, my take on it was, regardless of anything, the D looks legit. The secondary is playing with swagger. They're flying around. They're, they're yep. making plays on the ball. Nick Pickett. I mean, if I'm a, if I'm a receiver, Dude, Nick Pick, Nick Pickett Nick Pickett is hitting dudes if, hard. If, if I'm a receiver and they call a route and I look up and I see Nick Pickett in Anywhere in the vicinity where my route's going to end up, I'm audibling myself. Yo, yo, check. Black 68 something. something. Like, I'm not running here, Nick Pickett, because he's just looking to clock people. And the front seven, they're playing angry. They're playing fierce. Uh, they're getting after it. So there's no doubt the defense is at the very least really good. But, man, you cannot... You cannot start comparing them to some of the great defenses in Oregon history after four games. When the four games have come against right. a fresh, a true freshman quarterback, who, by the way, in the fourth quarter, led a game-winning touchdown drive against you to beat you. A great championship defense doesn't allow that to happen. They stop that from happening. So that's one. Two, Mon- Nevada, Montana, no one should care about that. Stanford, they're horrible on offense this year. However, <laughs> however... When a great defense plays a bad offense, what should it do? It should completely it should stop exactly it. What and it's that's done. what they've done. Yep. So you have to give them credit for that. But they have such greater tests coming up that it's difficult for me to sit here and compare them to 2001, you know, 2010, 2014 defenses that had multiple NFL players. One of them, the 2014 defense, had uh, two first round defensive linemen. Um, and a potential first round, I think it's going to be more second round and EFO at corner, you know, compare them to those teams that won conference title. So let's pump the brakes and see where this goes. But as of right now, at the very least, this is a very good defense. It, it's really funny looking back at some of those defenses. Um, you know, you can even look at that, like that 2014 year where it was so overshadowed because the Ducks had Marcus, they had, they had Royce Freeman, they had skill position players everywhere. That defense was pretty stacked in terms of guys that are in the league now. You know, like like you said, I mean, there's there was DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Troy Hill, um, Joe Walker, who has has hung on and is still in, in the league now. Um, yeah, it, it, it's been a pretty pretty impressive run of of very underrated Oregon defenses during that era. <laughs> the other, yeah, the other thing too that when you look when people look at these stats is they need to remember that those team those defenses were on the field a ton. Like that, and that was that was the the mo. Like you, you were trying to f- play fast paced offense. The offense was going to be no field for two minutes or less. You're going to score a punt, and then the defense is back out there. So the defense would play, you know, 38 minutes a game sometimes. So you're going to give up a ton of yards because you're going to g- play face a lot of plays. Like that's just how it is, right? So right now, this was like the end. It was. Oh, I was going to say it was just like the inverse of like a normal football relationship yeah. where you're like, all right, let's get a long offensive drive here to give the defense some rest. And exactly. In this case, it was the defense. Let's give up some yards and get let the offense have some rest and then, and then hold in the red <laughs> right. zone. So, you know, they weren't designed to play lockdown defense necessarily unless they had to. And then that and they usually found a way to, to, to do that other than the times they lost, which were against who? Auburn in the national championship game, the 2014 team. Uh, lost the one game to Arizona, but that was mainly because of the offensive line issues. And then they lost to Ohio State. Like so, those teams' defenses fell apart against literally the national champion, right? So let's just remember that this team, you know, it it it's looked good against teams that obviously have no chance at winning the national title. Although we'll see where Auburn ends up. Okay, so 
we've, we've talked about how Oregon hasn't really played anybody yet other than, you know, a team that's in the top 10. But we we have a bye week coming up and then it's kind of the make or break stretch for the Ducks. Uh, They come back on October 5th with a a home game uh, facing number 15 Cal. Then they host Colorado, who has one loss and has one of the better quarterbacks in the conference and Steven Montez, a team that beat Nebraska. You know, this 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 isn't just a, a, a typical off year Colorado team. I think they're good. Then they have on the road at Washington at home against Washington state. And then they, they end this kind of stretch uh, on November, November 2nd, which is uh, uh, my birthday. So make sure you remember that um, <laughs> at number at, at number 21 USC. So this, this is, um, this is a dramatically different set of uh, a four or five games coming up here than what the ducks have faced so far. Yeah. This is going to be fun, man. Like now, you know, we, we, we all thought Stanford was going to be, not not last week. I mean, you and I were like, Oregon should win this. I think I had them 38-17 or something like that. But coming into the season, like one of the tougher games was supposed to be at Stanford because it's on the road and Stanford's usually been good. But Stanford clearly down. But now we're starting to see who's good and who isn't. And you see this stretch and it's like, okay, now we're going to find out what's what's really happening. And it's going to be fun. The Cal game is going to be awesome. At USC is going to be awesome. UW, of course, is going to be spectacular. Um, so we're going to see what this what this this team's made of. And, you know, I thought, you know, the one game where they really faced some adversity was Auburn. And I wrote this that, that night that I thought they, they showed well, even though they lost. I know a lot of people were freaking out about it, but I thought they showed in that game that they, they belonged in the championship conversation for the Pac-12 at least. I think that game is going to pay huge dividends for them when they get into tight games coming up against, against similarly good teams. Um, so I give them a, a legitimate chance to win each one of those games. But I also believe that they're going to drop at least one, if not two, right. because of what, Tyson? The running game. The running game. I'm t- <laughs> it's, I guarantee you there's going to be a couple nights when they are just going to get stuffed in the run game and Herbert's going to be running for his life and you know the receiver's going to be put to the test and the defense is going to give up some points because they're going to face some good off. You see that Easton kid for U-Dub? Yeah. Oh, my God. He's throwing bullets like it's uh they gotta be able to run the football so i, I you know honestly right now i'm saying they drop two i'm saying at i'm saying at usc and then either cal or uw they lose you know the the one that i'm so i'm looking at those five right now and the one that stands out to me in terms of just throwing up red flags and it's funny because they just allowed what 70 points or whatever the hell it was to uh ucla but it, washington state just always gives Oregon fits and and even though they're I don't know if this Washington State's team is as good as it's been the last couple of years, but that that defensive scheme has always just given Oregon's offensive line fits and has been able to get into their backfield. And it's obviously a proven that Washington State can score. So unless unless the Cougars are are uh, completely stymied by this uh, Oregon defense, which as we just talked about is better than we've seen over the last couple of years, uh, that that one's a bit of a red flag for me. Just just because of it, you know it seems like Mike Mike Leach has his program's number at this point, but. I, th- I think Oregon Cal is a sne- uh, is all of a sudden a, a huge game, especially for the Pac-12. If, if you're the Pac-12, you want Cal to remain unbeaten and beat Oregon, or do you want Oregon to to with one loss to to confidently beat Cal there? <laughs> I because because I, I don't I don't because th- I don't think Cal is going to run the table, and so if you're the Pac-12, you go like, okay, well, Oregon's kind of the the flashier, the the better name brand program here. I think I think the Pac-12 would probably rather have Oregon win that game. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think I think the Pac-12 would rather see Oregon, Washington, or SC 
they, they'd rather see a one-loss Oregon and Washington team going up against a one-loss SC team in the conference title game. That's what you hope for. I totally hate the whole what the conference. I hate that conversation. That's only there because there's only 14 playoffs. It drives me bananas when people say, that was a good win for USC, but a bad win for the conference because they beat Utah. The, the conference day. is eating its own. I know. It's like the mere fact that people even have to have those discussions or say those things just points to how ridiculously idiotic the entire college football season system is even with a 14 playoff which is way better than before but still um but no i agree with you all, Cap- all, all the other teams in the conference should know that there should be one team completely covered in bubble wrap and you just <laughs> exactly. don't touch them you, you let you let them go straight to the playoff everybody else can have it out amongst themselves but you know just they should, just and, lay off lay off yeah. larry scott's larry scott's um, beautiful team they should vote for the team they want to win the conference before the season begins and everyone has to lay down in that game <laughs> <laughs> the 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 thing the, the th- I completely agree with you in the sense that like I think Oregon is the better team out of, in out of those five teams I think Oregon is better than all of them really I just uh, I, I don't know if they can rattle off five straight conference wins like that though but if they do all of a sudden they go into kind of like mid November and that's that's one two three of those teams are ranked. If Oregon somehow runs that table, they're going to be right back into that playoff conversation. At least, at least as a, they'll be in the top ten. Then you know, if they're sitting at number thirteen right now and they rattle off five straight wins like through this gauntlet, um, they're going to be right back where they were at kind of the start of the year, where they were going in that Auburn game, going like, "Oh man, if they if they win this, they're going to be in the discussion." Right. Yeah, I, but I can't say they're better. I think I think they're on par. Maybe I can't go better. Now, here's the one thing about Cal though: Cal's not going to score a lot of points. So I, that, that's I do, the thing. I, I don't know. I don't. I I don't know if Cal can hang with them. Right. I do. I well. I think Cal is going to keep. I think Cal is going to keep it low enough to where they're going to have a chance to win it. I just do think Oregon wins that game at home. But again, we're talking about an Oregon team that just scored twenty one at Stanford. Come on, like, yeah. That's are good we point. supposed to be that impressed with their offense? I'm not. In the seventy seven, you know, we we go on and on about the non conference, but um, you know, Cal Cal keeps you under twenty seven. They're in it. They're going to be in it. Um, and I think that's going to happen in that game. But I just don't think Cal will have enough offense against this really good defense to win that game. It's the Washington at Washington and at USC. Those are the two that really stick out where you're like, okay, that's trouble because those two teams can put up points. Washington's averaging 40.8. SC has been a little up and down. I mean, they're averaging only 33, but they played Utah, which has obviously a really good defense. But USC definitely can put up points. At home, they're going to put up points, I believe. So those two games are the ones where I think, man, that's, that's, that's big trouble for the Ducks. You know what's great about this, though? And, and this is something I saw pop up in my mailbag last week. It's, um, somebody asked about whether or not we're like nitpicking this team too much and whether or not, um, you know, Oregon's expectations are way too high in the kind of like the post-chip era. Um, the one thing I'll say to that is this is a hell of a lot more fun than two or three years ago when it was you didn't even want to pull up the rest of the schedule because you knew Oregon was going to get beat by 30 or 40 with, you know, Burmeister at quarterback. So, uh <laughs> Oregon, Oregon has played itself into a position where here we are, you know, about to head into October and the Ducks are at, at a point where it's it's worth talking about the rest of their schedule. It's worth talking about the things that aren't working well because they've put themselves in a position where if they're able to fix those things, they could have a really good year. So this is this is fun, fun football we're watching. You know, obviously things aren't working perfectly, but it's still early in the season and, and that's why they play the game. So, um you know, I I think if, if people think that, you know, we're kind of pessimistic about what's not working for Oregon, it's just because that this is a team that uh, has a lot of pieces that that could be put together for a pretty, uh, pretty great run here. I, look, it's not our job to be cheerleaders. It's our job to be 
objective and realistic. I don't even think it's, it's sometimes when you're realistic, you're going to sometimes be pessimistic. Otherwise, you're not being realistic. And what, we're, what are we nitpicking? We're nitpicking if they can win the conference title. In the past, though, right. it was nitpicking if they were going to win the national championship, right? So when they would smack someone by 40, like Colorado, it's like, okay, that was great. But what did they show us that leads us to believe they can beat Alabama? So that's what you would focus on. And right now we're looking at them and saying, okay, at least we're talking about them winning the conference title. But we did that last year a little bit after the Washington win, right? And right. there still were concerns. And I was picking on the running game back then, too. And people were saying, you're nitpicking. And what happened? The running game killed them. And they lost three more. They lost to Utah, Dude, Arizona, after the, after the, and Washington State. After the Washington game last year, I wrote my game story was essentially like, everyone believes in Oregon's future, but the future might be right now. And then they got their pants blown <laughs> off the next two, two weeks. So. so you were drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. I was like, eh. Here, here's the thing, man. Kool-Aid's pretty good. <laughs> Kool-Aid. Like it's, Purple it's, Source Rex is my go-to. How about you? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's refreshing. Um, it's it's pretty much just water. So I mean you're getting you're getting what you need. Water with a with a bucket of sugar in it. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you have any parting thoughts here? Uh hey, you know what? I think this is the best you realistically could have asked for if you're a Ducks fan to be in a situation. I mean, obviously you want to be Auburn. I still think Auburn is slightly better and deserved to win that game because of their front seven was just a beastly from the third, second quarter on, but you lost a close game and then you've, you've rocked the next three opponents. You're in position starting one to know in your division uh, to, to win the division. I mean, it's right there in front of you. You got a really good defense. We'll see how great they are. You got a really good quarterback. We'll see if he can, you know, have some shining moments. The running game is concerned, but you have a shot. But yeah, be be leery because it's going to be fascinating the next five weeks. All right. So once again, the Ducks are on a bye this week. They come back next week against Cal. Um, I'm I'm going to enjoy a couple of days off at the end of this week. I'm going to go pay my respects to uh, Felix Hernandez and watch Aww. him get blown up for probably ten earned runs. Oh, in he's, throwing a no-no. In, he's throwing a no no. He's throwing a no no. If if he throws a no no, I'm not coming back. I'm, you know, I'll probably just stay up there, and I, I don't know what I'll do with myself. Who, but who took, yeah, that, that, that'll, that'll, sorry, go ahead. Who took you to your first King Felix game? Uh, not you. It wasn't. You, you realize King Felix started pitching in like 2005, right? That was your first. You know, that, that, that was way. Wasn't that your first that was, something? That though? was. We 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 call that like pre AF pre Aaron. I, I thought there was a first in, something in for life. you that day. It wasn't that. That you brought me up to the the Mariners. I thought game? there was something first you had no. never done before. Was it just, oh, I just never the locker room? The Mariners was it just before. the locker room? I thought that was your first. Yeah, just the locker um, room. Okay, damn it. Did Felix? Did Felix pitch? I don't even remember. I just thought I for some reason that was in my head. No, Cl- Cl- Cliff Lee pitched that game because you came up to do like a Cliff Lee oh, is getting yeah, traded. Right. So that was your first Cliff Lee game. <laughs> Dude, Cliff Lee was freaking good that year too. I know they wasted those two, didn't they? They had Cliff Lee and uh, King Felix. They had the worst offense you have, ever. You have, Two guys, two guys in their prime who had just come off Cy Young wins, and they had to trade him by June. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> you realize all the Duck fans turned uh, it off once we started talking Mariners, right? Yeah, I know, right? They we're we're, tr- we're trying to thin out the crowd to, to just be talking to you, lone <laughs> listener. Okay. All right. So the It Never Rains will be back on Friday. Uh, that is a episode exclusive to athletic subscribers. We'll be back with uh, the free the free stuff on next Monday. And uh, until then, uh, thanks for listening to uh, It Never Rains. And uh, if you like what you've heard, uh, please feel free to give us a rating and a review on uh, wherever the heck you do that these days. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs>